Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. The following story contains material that may be offensive and emotionally disturbing, and may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. Tell me about this tutor of yours, Charles. The Sayers? What about her? She seems to employ a rather unusual curriculum. Well, she believes in tailoring the education to the pupil. Is that right? And what does that mean in practice? I don't understand what you want to know, Doctor. Do you, do you want details of every lesson? Your matter has changed, Charles, and I'm concerned about the books you've been reading. Well, maybe you should talk to Miss Sayers. <laughs> You're frightened of her, aren't you? What you just heard was a recording of Charles Dexter Ward, aged 15, talking to his therapist, Dr. Jonathan Willett. This is episode two of The Case of Charles Dexter Ward. If you're just joining us, I'd advise you to start at episode one and work your way through. Still here? Okay then. I'm Matthew Hayward, and this is The Mystery Machine. At this point, Charles had been excluded from his school Hello? and was being tutored at home by a woman named Barbara Sayers. Hi, Miss Sayers. It's Kennedy Fisher. Barbara Sayers was Charles Dexter Ward's tutor from the point that he left school in 2007 like up until just after his mother's death in 2011. I can't buy the taste of coffee. <laughs> Tea would be great, thank you. She still lives in Providence, Rhode Island. So Kennedy Fisher went to talk to her. Barbara Sayers is tall and willowy. I've since discovered that she's in her late 60s, but standing in the room with her, she could easily be 10 or 15 years younger than that. Her apartment is incredibly neat and ordered, and there are a lot of plants in there and a lot of books. I believe tea should always be served in bone china. It's really nice. Thank you. Comfortable. I like the tray. Yes, I got it in London back in, oh, uh, 1990 or thereabouts. It's lasted me very well. What is that design? I haven't seen that before. The tea tray has a really unusual motif on it. It's a series of circles, or maybe globes, I guess, joined by this web of interconnecting lines. I, I have no idea. I just like the look of it. You you're recording all of this? If that's okay. I don't imagine your listeners are very interested in my tea tray. Well, we'll probably cut that bit out. But... Well, certainly. You just fire away. So we talked a little bit on the phone, mm-hmm. so you know we're doing a story about Charles Dexter Ward. Indeed. And I was hoping you could give us some insight into... Insight? Oh, well. <laughs> you taught him after he was removed from school. Yes. Mr. Ward was adamant Charles should have an equivalent education to that which he would have received in high school. I flatter myself that we did a little better than equivalence. Charles was a very good student. Oh, very attentive. Really? Yes. Because I'd been led to believe by the principal of the school that... Well, that place wasn't really set up for. Modern education is a factory system, you understand. They want to turn out a a certain kind of person into the workforce and anyone that doesn't conform. So you think the problem was with the school? The problem was that Charles was far too bright for that environment. I believe it bored him. And when you bore a 14-year-old boy, well, then you have trouble on your hands. But he was no trouble for you. None whatsoever, no. A delight to teach. But he was already seeing Dr. Willett at the time, is that right? Well, that man. Dr. Willett. You know, I suppose, what became of him. 
I do. So I think that calls into question anything he had to say on the subject of Charles Dexter Ward. Wouldn't you agree? Well, nonetheless, though, if the Wards thought it was necessary for Charles to That see was it. his mother. A, a delightful woman and very capable, but, well, I believe she was prone to fashionable views about child psychology. So you never found Charles to be, in any way, dark? Heavens, no. A delight. Okay, but he was incarcerated. Incarcerated? In a secure psychiatric... Well, that was Dr. Willard's doing. And as I say, we know what became of him. As I explained to you on the phone, we're at the early stages of our investigation, so we don't yet have a sense of what might be important and what might just be... There's a recording of a conversation between Charles Ward and Dr. Willard. The name Joseph Kerwin, does that mean anything to you? I see your agenda here. I don't think I have... It's cheap sensationalism, and I'm sorry, but I'll have no part of it. Well, I... I had hoped you were intending to find poor Charles Ward. Well, that would certainly be... I think a step along the way would be to discover the kind of person he was, wouldn't it? I believe I've told you that, Miss Fisher. Charles Dexter Ward was a charming boy and a diligent student. Beyond that, I'm afraid I have nothing more to say, and I'm certainly not prepared to start digging up the past of that poor family for your... You've wasted both our time coming here. Hello? Well, that was weird. Ha-ha, tell me. Well, she's kind of eccentric, I guess. I had heard this. This is George Shepley, the school librarian. He'd asked me to check in with him after I'd met with Barbara Sayers. He'd hinted that he had something to say about her, but he wanted me to meet with her first. She kind of freaked out towards the end. Okay, what was the trigger? Well, she's really not a fan of Dr. Willett. But actually, it was the mention of Joseph Kerwin that really seemed to rile her. Okay, I, I don't know who that is. No, neither do we yet. It's a name that came up in a recording we have of Dr. Willett talking to Charles Ward, but we Wait, don't... wait. Is this the cult leader? The what? There was a guy, uh, maybe his name was Kerwin. I, I think it was. This would be years ago, late, late 70s, early 80s, one of those siege-type scenarios. Bunch of people, some kind of cult, holed up in a house, and the FBI had the place surrounded. Big gunfight, maybe a fire. I think this Kerwin guy was like the guru or whatever. I think he died. He got shot or died in the house somehow. Okay. So, what were you going to tell me about Barbara Sayers? That she's a witch! Seriously? No. No. Okay, maybe not. But I did hear she was into some pretty wacky stuff back in the day. But I think it was more like hippie stuff. But maybe she knew this Kerwin guy? Mm, Yeah. I don't know how that fits into anything. It doesn't matter. That's not actually what I was going to tell you. Okay. So, well, well we... you asked me who would let a 14-year-old check out books on the occult. Right. So who do you think was the school librarian back in 2007? Oh, my God. I know, right? Barbara Sayers and Charles Ward apparently had this big connection, and when he got kicked out of the school, she quit and went to work as his tutor. <laughs> she even looks like a librarian. I find that to be an offensive stereotype. How could you not tell me this before? I was interested to know if she'd volunteered the information. I have a resume here from the school files. Can you scan it to me? Sure. Or I could give it to you if we met up. Maybe dinner? Or... 
So, are you going to have dinner with him? That's the question you wanted to ask after I just unloaded all of that? It is. Well, it's none of your business. Which is not a no. Did I dial the wrong number? Is this a relationship counselling session? No, okay. <laughs> none of my business. So, are you going to go back to Barbara Sayers? Uh, yeah, but not today. I don't even think she would answer the door to me today. Even then, what am I going to say? Were you a librarian? Did you know a cult leader? I think we need more. Makes sense. So, what next? Well, I'm about to get on a train to New York. And what's in New York? Tyler Green. I found him. So we're leaping ahead a little here. We wanted to understand more about Charles Dexter Ward's background. And so Kennedy and I had been going through the recordings we had of his conversations with Dr Willett. Tyler Green's name came up in this one, from when Charles was about 12. What did you do today, Charles? I read. All day? Yes. You didn't go outside, young boy in glorious weather like this? So what were you reading? Just books. What books? And letters. Letters from who? I don't know. Well, who sent you the letters? No one sent them to me. I found them. Uh, reading other people's correspondence is, um... Can I see these letters? I burned them. I don't believe you. Where did you find the letters? I didn't find them. Tyler found them. Tyler? Tyler Green, your friend? He was my friend. Well, what happened? He moved away. I'd like to move away. But where would you go? London. London? London, England? Hmm. And what would you do in London? Tyler Green doesn't live in Providence anymore. He left when he was 12 years old. I tracked him down to New York City, where he now works in publishing. Well, I don't think it's fair to say he was always like that, how the school principal described him. I mean, well, maybe that's her experience, I guess, because of the time she knew him. But I knew him before that, and he was a pretty normal kid in my recollection. Kind of tall, taller than me, I mean, taller than most of us, and gawky. <laughs> One of those kids who grew upwards really fast, but not outwards, you know? I remember my mom used to say if he turned side on, he'd be invisible. And he had this hair that was so blonde, it was almost white. You know, I think it got a little darker as he grew up. So when are we talking? Well, we were about the same age, a couple months apart. So I'm thinking in when we were maybe 11 or 12. And 12, I guess, because the time I'm thinking about was the last summer I was in Providence. So yeah, that would have been when I was 12. Well, we used to hang out, play video games. Normal kid stuff. Right. And, um... And there was this derelict house down the street a couple blocks away. We used to hang out in there. You could get in through the trap door, like a loading door that went into the basement from the backyard and then up into the house. Charles always used to bang his head on the door frame at the top of those stairs. And we never told anyone because, you know, I guess we knew it probably wasn't safe whatever and the grown-ups would pitch a fit, you know. But we spent most of the days there during the summer break that year. Charles was really into old things, and he found that house just fascinating. He always wanted to pretend we lived there, and it was another time from the past, you know? That house was on Olney Street in Providence. It's not there anymore. The whole street was demolished in 2008. 
There's a reference on one of the recordings Dr. Willett made of Charles. A reference to some letters Charles Ward says you found? Right, yeah. So this would have been within the last couple of weeks of summer vacation. I remember it got real hot and we were right at the top of the old house. The derelict house. We were in the attic because you could get a breeze moving through there if you open the windows at the front because there was some roof tiles missing in the back, a big hole so the breeze off of the ocean would just come right through. And we hadn't spent a lot of time up there before it got hot, so this was a new area of the house to us. But it was too hot to really explore, and Charles was pretty convinced the floor wasn't safe, and so we shouldn't move around on it too much. So we were sitting and talking. I don't remember what about. And I noticed this thing sticking out of the wall. What Tyler Green had seen was a piece of paper that turned out to be the corner of an envelope poking through a gap in some wall paneling. The boys investigated, and they used Charles's pocket knife to prise the panel away from the wall, revealing a hollowed-out area, just a few inches deep. A hiding place. And in that hiding place, there was... A load of letters. Correspondence. Love letters, I guess you'd say. But all one way, all from one person. A man, or presumably a woman, who had lived in the house. They were handwritten, and the writing was super scrawly and hard to decipher, but it was steamy stuff, you know. Definitely R-rated in places, which to a couple of 12-year-old boys, well, you can imagine, it piqued our interest. But these weren't just love letters. As Charles and Tyler worked through them, they found there was more to them than met the eye. Oh, there was a bunch of weird stuff in there. Stuff written in other languages, these weird symbols and diagrams. I thought maybe it was spy stuff, you know. The books and movies I was into at the time, I thought we discovered some kind of dead drop for Russian spies or something. Can you remember anything specific about the letters? Um, not really. They were in envelopes, and they were addressed to that house, but I don't remember the name of the person. They were signed with initials, I, I want to say J.C.? J.C. I mean, that's how I'm remembering it, but I don't, I don't know, it sounds right. Tyler and Charles spent the afternoon reading through the letters, but Tyler said they couldn't make head nor tail of most of them. When it came time to leave, Charles wanted to take the letters with him, and Tyler said he didn't really care, so... We were supposed to be hanging out again the next day, but he didn't show up. When I finally got hold of him, he said he was busy, and he was kind of short with me, so I got a bit pissed about that. I don't recall seeing him again. Yeah, I went away to school a week or so later, and then my parents moved up to Vermont during my first semester, so... Uh, Yeah, I never went back to Providence. Yeah, that could have been the last time I saw Charles. Hi, could you help me? I'm looking to find out who owned a house that was demolished here about 10 years ago. Back in Providence, I went to City Hall to get a look at their records and see who owned that house. The chances are, whoever lived there at the time the letters were written would have been the recipient of those letters. So we wanted to look into the records. A woman named Alice came down to get me from the front desk and take me back to where they kept the records. I mean, sure, it's okay. Um, well, it's going to be somewhere here. Oh, wow. That's a lot of files. <laughs> yeah. They didn't start putting this stuff on computer until around 2005. But if you say the house you're looking for was derelict at that time, chances are the ownership records are going to be on paper here somewhere. It's not as bad as it looks. It's pretty organized in here. It actually ends up taking nearly an hour to find the only street records because the street doesn't exist anymore. So Alice had to go digging in a whole other archive for the records. Okay, here we go. Finally. 
Olney Street. Uh, I don't know the number. Okay. Well, the city runs pretty regular building inspections, so if it's derelict, we should find... Here we go. Number 23. That's a vacant property from around 1980. That long? Yeah, but somebody bought it in 1985. Name of Weston? A Mr. L.R. Weston? Okay, maybe. I was expecting a woman, but... Well, Mr. Weston doesn't seem to have done anything to the property. He bought it pretty cheap. It had been empty for a few years, according to this, and there were a bunch of repairs to do, but he just left it alone until the city bought him out to knock down the street. He never lived there? I don't think he ever lived in Providence. An out-of-towner. Maybe he bought it as some kind of investment, or he intended to move there, but plans changed. So the last person to actually live there... Yeah, um, the previous owner bought the place in 1977. She lived there until... Well, it looks like the water and power were cut off to the property in October of 1980, so I'm guessing she either passed away or just left it. She? Oh, right. Uh, Yeah. Sayers. Barbara Sayers? Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. So Charles Dexter Ward is reading these letters that were sent to Barbara Sayers? We think. Well, to the house she was living in at the time, and they're from Joseph Kerwin. Again, we have the initials JC, if Tyler Green is remembering it right. And your librarian said Kerwin was some kind of cult leader, and that Barbara Sayers was into that stuff. Let's not leap to conclusions. Am I leaping? I'm joining some dots here. Yeah, but what is the picture? These letters... Are they the thing that turns Charles Dexter Ward from a regular kid who's out playing with his friend during the summer holidays into this dark character people are describing? Honestly, I don't know. The timing works out, but whether the letters were the specific trigger... If something in those letters led him down this path into reading about the occult, and where are the letters? I have no idea. Well, it must be somewhere. What happened to Charles Ward's possessions after he went into the psychiatric unit? I'm working on that. If we could get those letters. Yeah. You need to go back to Barbara Sayers. Would it be super chicken to take someone with me? No, you absolutely should. Every indication is that this woman is not... You should not go back in there alone. And you're going to confront her with this? I wouldn't say confront, but I have some questions. Like, are you a witch? That may not be one of them. Right, but it's going to be the thrust of the thing. Do you want me to ask that? I would love you not to ask that. You want me to be strong and silent in the background? I want you to be strong and silent waiting in the car. It's left up here. We're both librarians. You're worried if we get face-to-face, we're going to get into it about the Dewey Decimal System? Derail the whole... (laughs) That would make an awesome podcast episode. Someone should do that. Just each episode is two librarians discussing different forms of classification. Is that... Barbara Sayers' house. It's on fire. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.